0: Good morning, everybody. Just want to finish off what we spoke about yesterday. About practical things that a person can use their machshabat. We learned already that the Yetzir Hara is very, very powerful in the arena where there is Shallow, superficial, external life. If you're living a shallow life, you are in the home court of the Aram. You're not going to make it out with the way that you would like. The Aram has complete power in that area. He is what the Yitzhara Chavot Lavavot calls the Sonne Gadol. He is your biggest enemy. And he's super powerful. But amazingly, when you go into depth, which we explained means you become an Ish Mahshava, you become a person who starts to think says the hovot alevavot he is weak in that area the yeshara doesn't have much power in the area of depth that means the more depth we live with in our lives the more power and success and simha we will have in any area that we are involved in we need to become a person of Mahshavah, like we saw in idlena, a person who has Tebunah, he is capable of bringing all of the wisdom for life that is needed in all areas of life. So yesterday I gave you a few examples of what It means to be in ish makshavah, just practical things. We spoke about a person needs to think before they speak. We gave many examples of how a person who doesn't think before they speak can cause tremendous damage to his life, especially to his marriage, especially with children. Most words that are spoken with people who love each other, people who married each other, people who love their children, most words that are damaging, that are spoken, it's because they're in the arena of the Yetzirah. Why are they in that arena? Because they're not thinking. When you're not thinking, you could be sure, and you're going to mess up somehow. A person needs to think before they speak. We saw, by the way, by Abraham Avinu, the famous story, where Sarah, it says she left when she was told that she's going to have a baby. And she said, how am I going to have a baby? And my Adonai Zakir, my husband is an old man. It says when Hashem told Abraham about what Sadar said, he told told him, why did she laugh? Why did she say that I'm an old lady? Hazal said, wait, that's not what she said. She said he's an old man. Why did Hashem say that she said she was an old lady? So Hazal gives this one of the great examples of Hashem changing and twisting the words. Right? Even we would say, not being truthful, right? Because of shalom. In order to have shalom between Sarah and Abraham, Hashem had to be careful with the way He said those words. I bring that story, why? You realize from that story, how sensitive a marriage is. How sensitive each word can be. You don't have to say to your spouse, Something very, very damaging to cause damage. Let's think about it. Abraham is an old man. He's not in doubt about that. It says he has to be an old man. He's an old man. He is well aware that he is old. And he knows his wife is old. And they've been married for a long time. And they have priorities very well set. Their whole life is abodat Hashem. Is it possible that Abraham will get offended when his wife said he's an old man? Would Abraham really go home and say, I can't believe what my wife did and they're going to have all kinds of shalom Seems very, very, very unlikely that there will be any kind of issue in that home. If she called him an old man, and by the way, she wasn't even making fun of him. She was just stating a fact. he's oh, She didn't say, oh, you're an old man. She didn't say that. She's telling herself, an old man can't have children. What's going on? Why did Hashem feel? We understand sometimes you have to twist and change to make shalom, but in our eyes... It has to be something serious, has to be something that can cause damage. Something like this is reason enough to go and twist the words. The answer is, the answer is, is that a marriage is very sensitive. You have to know that. A marriage is very sensitive. What you could tell your friends, you cannot tell your, your wife. How many times has it happened to you? Your wife gets offended. And you say, what do you mean? I say this all the time. I tell my friends all the time. Nothing. Else. No, no one ever got offended. I've been making this joke for 30 years. Everyone laughs. What happened? You have to realize a marriage is a very sensitive area unlike any other relationship. And you have to be super careful. That's what Hashem is teaching us. Look at these people. You think Sarah and Abraham could have any kind of discomfort? Says the Torah, yes. Why? Because they're husband and wife. A husband and wife is a very special relationship, but it's a very sensitive relationship. <laughs> so what is said, could you imagine if that is, if that's something that we have to worry about, how much more does a person have to worry about something much more difficult to hear. So how does a person do that again, like we learned yesterday? Be in Ish Mahshaba. Before you walk into your house, I've said this number of times, take upon yourself before you walk in. Remember, you're the Rosh Hashiva of this house. Everybody is looking at you. Everyone wants to know if you feel confident in them. If you like them, if you appreciate them, they want to know from the Rosh Yeshiva, what is his feelings towards me? Does he think I am valuable? Does he think I'm somebody? And the first person looking to the Rosh Yeshiva is his wife. That's the first person that wants to know, did he, does he think about me? Does he value what I did all day? Does he understand my challenges? That's the first thing that she wants to know when you walk into the. She doesn't care that you've been out of the house for 10 hours. That doesn't bother a woman. She doesn't have to be with her husband all day long. A woman who wants to be with her husband all the time is a sign that he is way off. He's so off. People say, oh, she always wants, she doesn't let me go, she wants it. You are way off. She's so insecure because you haven't given her what the Rosh Yeshiva is supposed to give her that she feels alone and she feels scared and she needs to be with somebody. A woman is capable of letting her husband go for a day, for days and weeks, even months, if... She feels secure. If she feels secure, you have a powerful woman in your house. When you have a powerful woman in your house, a secure woman is a powerful woman. A powerful woman is a great mother. A powerful woman is a great wife. A powerful woman makes your life, makes your life a different life. She's an eshet ha'il. Eshet ha'il is called the powerful woman. The word ha'il means she's powerful. Who makes a powerful woman? Her husband. What does he have to do? He has to take her to, to the gym to exercise. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't need to do that. You have to buy her gifts all the time. No, it's not what you need. A woman doesn't need gifts. Gifts actually sometimes are just a cover for bigger problems. Sometimes gifts are just used to, uh, yeah, to pacify issues. You know, like when you messed up with your son because like you haven't spoken to him in three months. So what do you do? You go buy him a new bike. So he feels like you know, his father loves him. So Because otherwise, he's not showing him the love. So he has to go buy the love from him. That's not... A gift is not what it is. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a gift. I don't know why I buy a gift. But the main, the main thing a woman wants to know is that her husband is thinking about her. And Now, if you're not an ish Shava, forget about it. You don't think about anybody. That is the key, believe it or not, to a great marriage. It's not even what you do in the house per se. It's that you are a person who's thinking and she knows that. Once she knows that, she's a different person. And you could try it for yourself and you'll see it. You'll see it that if you come home and express in the first minute or two how you express with your words clearly that she's been on your mind and you appreciate what she's doing and what she did. You have a new person in your house. You have a new simcha in your house. You have to know that. But that requires mahshavat. The Yetzirah doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to walk straight into the door, lay down on the couch, throw your coat, like to one side, put your shoes on the other side, and basically say, I'm here. I'm what's for dinner? Not ready yet. And the bed. This is the recipe Ooh, to a disaster. This is a disaster. What? What, what did I do? I didn't curse. I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I didn't put anyone down. You did something that is so damaging. You showed that you don't think about your wife. And that in itself is the beginning of so much trouble coming your way. You have an easy solution every time you walk home. Have in your mind, before you walk in, what you're going to say that's going to show that this person is important to me and I appreciate what they do. And I think about them even when I'm not home. That's it. That's all you need. It's an amazing thing. After that, you have such an easy road. It sounds I make it sound so easy. But it, 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 it is very easy. It's easy if you're an each mahshava. If you're a shallow person, your whole life, you will not do this. Even though it's right at your fingertips, it's so simple to do and so empowering. It, that's what we spoke about yesterday. Think before you speak, and think before you go into a new situation. You're walking into your house, you know, it says, it says, If you want a good ending, you have to start good. Yeah. So whenever you start something, it's a good time to put into it. Walking into your home is called the beginning. How is your stay at home going to be for the next 10 hours? Very much depends how you walked in. How you start your day has very big implications on how you end. How you start your marriage has a lot of influence on the coming years. Whatever you're starting something in life, something small or large, whenever you go into your office, that's a start. You see someone for the first time today, that's a start. You may see them 20 times today, but the first time you see them is the most powerful. You walk into your office, the first time you see your secretary or you see your partner or you see your employee, the first time you have that interaction is a very, very important time. It has a tremendous amount of, uh, of, it's an investment for something much bigger. Again, the first time you do something during the day, the first time you're involved, you should place, you should stop and put mahshaba into it so that you could set the tone exactly for success. Anyway, it only takes one day to disprove me. Try it for one day. Take on one day, just for one day. Keep this in mind. And have anywhere you start something Put in thoughts of how you're going to start that the best way. And you'll see. If by tomorrow you come back and say, listen, it was a horrible day. The night at home was terrible. My kids were horrible. And my office was terrible. Then then you didn't never come back to this class. That's for sure. And I have to find myself a new job. Got to start selling shoes. Now, I want to give you a few other examples where mahshava could be A big game changer. One of them you're not going to believe how big it is. Before I tell you how big it is. I'd like to read for you a pasuk. Here is the pasuk that Moshe Rabbeinu says at the end of his life. In Parashat Ekeb. This pasuk is loaded. He tells. "Ve'ata Yisrael. He says listen Yisrael. Now, b- means, bottom line. Let's get to the bottom line. Yisrael. Ma Adonai Elohecha What is it that Hashem wants from you? What does He want from you already? So obviously someone reading this is expecting some lightweight request. If someone says to his son, what am I asking of you already? So Basically, he probably wants a cup of water. He doesn't want anything. When you say words of what do I want from you, (laughs) usually you're about to say something very light, very easy, very small. That's what you're about to expect. But then as you read this pasuk and he continues about what Hashem wants from you, you realize there's something wrong with the pasuk. Because uh, look look what he says. What does Hashem want from you? He wants you... He wants you to be in awe of Hashem. That your midot should be sterling like Hashem. Means no anger, no arrogance, no selfishness, patience. I want you to have sterling midot like the Creator. Compassionate, emet. You think that's easy to do? To change all of our midot to be like Hashem, and to have a loving relationship with the Creator of the world, and to serve Hashem with all the mitzvot, with all your heart, with all your soul. That's it. This is this is everything. There's nothing else. What is there? What's left? Yirachamay you're in awe of God. You have all the perfect midot. You serve God with mitzvot and fulfill every mitzvah in the Torah. And you love Hashem. And you do this with all your heart and all your soul. So what's left? Nothing left. This is it. This is everything. So how does he start by saying, Ve'adai Yisrael, ma Hashem, what does Hashem want from you already? Follow follow the problem? The beginning, introduction to the words, don't fit the end of the words. The beginning starts sounds like we're about to hear something small. And then we go in and basically he gives us the whole package. How does that make sense? Perhaps this is why if you look in Masechet Minahat. Rabbi Meir makes the following comment. Famous words, but maybe with the way we're explaining it, you understand the context on a deeper level. It says, Rabbi Meir Omer, the great Tanah, Rabbi Meir Ba'lanes. He says, Hayav Adam levarach Me'a Berachot a person has to make, Every day, 100 berachot. 100 blessings. Okay, nice. To say thank you to Hashem a hundred times a day. How does Rabi Mehir know he's supposed to bless Hashem a hundred times a day? Where do you get that from? It says, Shne'emar Ve'atai Yisrael Ma Hashem Elohecha This pasuk. He brings this pasuk as the source that we have to make 100 berachot every day. Now nobody saw in this pasuk, only the Meir saw in this pasuk, that you have to make 100 berachot a day. Nowhere is mentioned not berachot and not 100. What does he see in the pasuk? So Rashi Allah bashalom is troubled because he doesn't say anything. All Bi Meir says it is. Look at this pasuk. And you'll see the source more 100 Berachot. You read the Pasuk, you don't see no Berachot and no 100. What are you talking about? You got the problem? The issue. He's bringing a source, but nowhere in the source is even hinted to what he's saying. Says Rashi, I love Shalom. That's why we need Rashi, we can't move without him. Says Rashi, you know where he got it from? Al Tikrema, el-la-mea. When he said the words, be'ata Yisrael, and now Yisrael, Ma Hashem Shoel Me'amach, what does Hashem want from you? Don't read it Ma. Don't read it what. Read it Me'ah. Read it 100. Now if we did that to every Ma in the Torah, we'd, we'd have a lot of amazing drashot. Imagine. Every time I said the word Ma, so don't read a ma and an aleph. It's only an aleph. How big is an aleph? Add an aleph to ma, come here, I mean, it's, it's nice. It's very cute. Don't get me wrong. And it's, it's, it's beautiful, but it seems to be a little bit like off the mark. You saw the word ma and you want to read a That That's the drasha uh, the, 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 the that we're supposed to learn on b'nachot a day from. But perhaps, perhaps, Rabbi Meir and Rashi are troubled with the question that we asked. How do you read this pasuk? You start off by saying ma. Again, the word ma sounds like I'm asking something very small. The word, what's the biggest problem in this pasuk? The word ma. The whole pasuk is fine. Hashem wants from you this, 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 this. No problem. And when you put the word ma, you you make the pasuk not logical. because The word ma sounds like I'm giving you something easy. But then you make it not so easy. So the word, not not every time we see the word ma, we turn it to mea. But here the word ma doesn't make sense. So says Meir. Allah shalom, look how beautiful says Rabbi Me'ir, there must be something easy that you can do that through it you will be able to get all of this. All of this seems to be a very heavy box. But if you have a machine that you press the button and it carries the boxes, so it's not so bad. The word ma is the button to this huge package that's mentioned in this pasuk. Ma, Hashem, what does he want from you already? Says Rabbi Meir, it's mea berachot. Mea berachot, not hard. To make a hundred berachot a day, not hard at all. If you already counted tefillah and berkot as-shahar, you pray three times a day, and berkot shahar you already have the overwhelming majority. And then, of course, you have to eat. You make shakol, you make asher You make a few berachot, and you're done. You're good. It's not so hard to make me'a berachot. So that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. What does Hashem want from you already? Just me'a berachot. Now, me and you might disagree with this. He would say, uh, is this for real? I make me'ah berachot all the time. I don't see um, all these things that are coming into my life. I I don't see the results that this pasuk is promising when you have me'ah berachot. I I, I don't know. Is really berachot so powerful that it's going to change your whole life around? Not something necessarily that we see. The reason, the reason I'm talking to myself with everybody here, the reason why our berachot don't add up to this, because our berachot are lacking the most important part of the beracha, which is mashava. When we say beracha, we we don't even know what we're saying. We don't know what we're saying. We don't think who we're saying it too. Our berakhot are shells that have nothing inside. Very empty. Of course, our berakhot are not going to make a difference. They don't mean anything. Or they mean very little. I don't want to say they don't mean anything. But they mean very little. What's the problem? Because we're not using our mahshava. The way a berachah is supposed to be made. And it's not hard. It's not hard. We're doing it already. When you don't think, you don't do it right. The Yetzirah has you in his hand. You're not going to do it right. He doesn't mind you make 200 berakhot a day. As long as you don't think, make as many as you want. But to make 100 berakhot every day with mahshava. What, what does it mean, mahshavah? It's Very simple. It's not, it's not so deep. You don't have to be a Kabbalist. Very simple. Mashava means you take the cup, and for a second, you think what you're drinking and the words that you're about to say. Everything happens in Hashem's words. And you imagine yourself getting a cup of tea, a cup of water, a piece of a piece of pizza, a slice of whatever it is, slice of cheese. Imagine the creator of the world is giving it to you. How does it feel when someone gives you a gift for free? He doesn't owe you the gift. You probably don't deserve the gift. But he came and he gave you something. You know what? I'm thinking about you. I love you. But no, here's a gift. Imagine the creator don't think you bought the pizza from the pizza store. That's very small-minded. Don't think the cheese came from the supermarket. That's very small-minded. Who gave you this cheese? You have to imagine your mahshaba is able to do this. You could try it. It's a whole different bracha. A person for a moment thinks the creator of the world is giving him this food. He is giving it to him and he's watching him eat it. Because He enjoys to see you enjoy it. You sit there in front of the Creator who just gave it to you. And you give a blessing of appreciation to the Creator of the world. Such a bracha, a hundred times a day, is life transforming. It takes you middot and makes you a sterling person of midot. It makes you more patient. It makes you more appreciative. It makes you more giving. It makes you less jealous. It makes you more satisfied. It makes you... 100 berakhot a day changes your family. It changes your life. It changes everything in your life. 100 berakhot. But you need mahshavah. Without ma'ashava, in your berakha, the berakha is going for waste. That's what it would be made of saying. Ma'ashem Elohei What does Hashem want from you? What's 100 berakhot? can't do 100 berakhot. Do it. 100 berakhot a day. Just make it right. You're doing it anyway. You're doing it anyway. Take one extra second before the berakha and think about what you're about to do in front of In front of whom you're about to do it. And you're doing great. You're going to have so much berakha from these hundred berachot. Hundred berachot could transform your life in every area. Big item. People don't know about that. Again, they do a hundred berachot, But they're not a hundred berachot Because they're lacking the mahshavach. That's another area that a person could work on. In general, by the way. In general, a person... A person is able to make his relationship with the creator of the world so much more impactful with mahshava. You have to know the only way to reach Hashem is mahshava. Hashem is not physical. You know, when it comes to a physical relationship. So, even without mahshava, there could be some connection between people because there's a physical connection you could shake hands you could pat on the back you can give food there's some physical medium that me and somebody else can share to develop a relationship a relationship cannot be developed in the air it needs something in between there has to be something between us that brings us together so in a physical relationship a person can develop a relationship with just physical. It's not a great relationship. It's not going to be a very meaningful relationship. But it could at least be represented as a relationship. I spoke to the person. I touched the person. I gave the person. I took from the person. There's something physical here. But when it comes to the creator of the world, there is nothing else besides mahshabah. Hashem is not physical. There's nothing physical. So even when we do an action, it's not the action that really matters. It's the mahshavah behind the action. Mitzvot tzirichot kavanah. That's the halakha. What does it mean, mitzvot, require focus? It means that if a person does an act of a mitzvah and they're not thinking That it's a mitzvah. For example. A person picks up a lulav. On Sukkot. We know Torah says. Mitzvah from the Torah. Once a day. To go ahead. And pick up the lulav. Once you picked it up. You did a mitzvah. What if you picked up the lulav. And you weren't thinking about a mitzvah. Halakha says. You're not Yotzeh. But why? The mitzvah is to pick up the lulav. I picked up the luav, I did the act, because the act is not the mitzvah, the mitzvah is your focus, that you're doing something for the creator of the world, and the way you bring out your thought is through the action, you need action, you can't survive with your thoughts alone, it's not possible, humans are made of two parts, you have to utilize your action, but your action is just a way to get to your thoughts. So if you do an action to Hashem. And you don't have your thoughts. So you didn't do, you didn't do anything. You have to do it again. Not only. Tefillin. Mitzvot. You have to have your mind invested. Otherwise you haven't done anything. The only way to connect to Hashem. Is through your machshava. It's not physical. So even again even when we do physical because we have no choice because humans cannot operate only with their mind they have to do physical but it's not the physical that is the key the key is the heart that's behind it and that's why says Shohan Aruch right in the first right in the first halakha the Ramah says in the first halakha there are thousands and thousands of halakhot in Shohan the first halakha in Aruch is Says drama, Shiviti Adonai tamid, ki balemot, quoting the words of David HaMelech, who says, Shiviti, I have placed Hashem opposite me, tamid, always. So for David HaMelech, it meant always. But for me and you, I don't know if always is going to be so, so realistic. But at least when we're talking to him, when a person prays, a person is capable during tefillah to feel the presence of Hashem in front of him. But it requires mahshava. If you run into the Amidah and you're not thinking what you can do, and unfortunately we do, so then you're not, you're not talking to Hashem. You're saying words, right? Filah, Shema, especially the Amidah. That at least the Amidah should be in front of the presence. What does it take? It takes two seconds before you start the Amidah. That I'm about to stand in front of the creator of the world. And I am about to talk to him. In a, in a world where so much is coming in and out of the mind. How does the person stay focused on what they're doing? So really, this is one of the more difficult things to do. Right? The only solution to this is to, is to start slowly. Which means that a person, for example, takes the first berachan, the amida, and says, for this, I'm going to be able. We, we can focus for 30 seconds, for one minute. At some point, we're not even realizing our mind went elsewhere. But for 30 seconds, I think we could all do. And you have to start building it up. You build 30, you build 40, you build 50. It happens. A person is capable of building up his stamina, of focusing his mind. You got to start. That's, by the way, I want to quote for you the Rambam on this subject. Look what the Rambam says. By the way, by the way, before I quote the Rambam, the Shohan Ruch I just mentioned to you that quotes the pasuk Shiviti. Shiviti again means I live with Hashem opposite me. Says says the Shohana Ruch, Hu Kelal Gadol bat Torah. which means this is a major principle in the Torah. Meaning me and you probably could not decide what's called major or minor. To us, it's all important. But says, this is a major item. And more than that, he says, What does the word ma'alot mean? Levels of great people. What does is, what is he mean, the levels of great people? It means, how do you define a great person? Meaning, what barometer Right? Are you using to decide if someone is great? Are you going to say, for example, he knows the most Torah? Is that what makes a great person? Is he the person that gives the most of his time? The biggest Baal hased? Is that what makes a great person? Is it the guy who is most sensitive with his words around people? Is that the greatest person? When you say he's a great person, people say that all the time. All the time oh he's a great person ah he's a great person great person I don't I don't think that they're off the mark and saying he's a great person but you have to ask them first what exactly were they referring to when they said he was a great person you see to each person they measure greatness in different ways so for this guy he's a great person because he smiled so he's a, he's a great person he always smiled. This guy, he used to give charity once a month. He's a great, a great person. Everybody's got their own measurement of great in what. Unfortunately, we say words that don't make any sense. You can't just say a guy's a great person. Great in what? So instead of saying great in what, we just say the word great, and it almost feels like the guy is great in everything, and he's done. But that whoever said those words is using something in his mind that makes sense that if you do this, you're great. Everyone's got his own way. The guy's a great father. He's a great man. He's a great husband. He's a great man. He's a great this. He's a great man. Not, he's an honest person. Oh, very honest. Oh, he's a great man. We're great in what? He's honest. It's, it's, it's beautiful to be honest. But I don't know that you get the, no, the word great because you're honest. So the word great has to be using the right Measurement, what are you measuring with? Right? So here, Shulchan Aruch actually opens our mind. Amazing thing. How do you measure a great person? What should you be using to measure the greatness of a person? Is he an 8? Is he a 9? Is he a 10? Is he a 3? Is he a 0? What exactly are we using to measure that person? Says the Shulchan Aruch. The ma'alot had Which means the different steps of greatness amongst great people. You know what the yardstick is? You know what the measuring stick is? How good are they in shiviti? How much of their life is spent... With the creator of the world. So, the more you spend your life with the creator of the world, you feel in his presence, whether you're walking the street, or you're praying, or you're doing a mitzvah, or you're helping your children, or you're coming into your home or to your business. The more you spend your time with Hashem in your presence, The great person you are. The less time, the less great you are. So amazing. We thought greatness maybe is measured by how much you give. By how much you build. By how well you pray. By how much you learn. Obviously, all those things are needed. But all those things themselves are measured by, for example, you're learning. Okay. But... Is Hashem with you when you learn? Is He talking to you when you learn? Or He's absent? So you're praying. Beautiful. So tell me, is Hashem present in your tefillah? Or He's absent? So not only measuring the person you measure through shiviti, each action is measured through shiviti. If you're worthwhile action or not, shiviti. What a, what a nice thing to know. So before you say the word great on anyone, make sure you just describe what great is. They were great in this. The word great is reserved. The word great by itself is reserved for one area and one area. You want to say the guy is great in learning. Say in learning. He's great in his staka. Say stack Staka. But the word great is reserved, that word, for only one person. It's the one who lives in the presence of the creator of the world. Which can happen, by the way, wherever they are. It says, Wherever you are, you could be with Hashem. You don't have to be in shul. You don't have to be in the bet Midrash. Wherever you are, you could be in your business. You could be on the train. You could be driving. You could be walking. You could be exercising. Whatever you do in your life, you could feel in the presence of Hashem. Now, obviously, if a person doesn't have that yet in his life, they're not going to start to feel the presence when they're exercising. Not the right place to start. When yeah, you know, when I'm in the gym, I think about Hashem. Not the right place to start. You should start first when you're talking to him. That like, should be the first place. When you're talking to him during Tzfilah or when he's talking to you. When you are learning Torah, he's talking to us. In those two areas need to be the first place of working on this subject. When you talk to him and when he talks to you. Those are the first two things. When you learn Torah, he talks to you. When you pray, you talk to him. And then, Berachot, that's when you speak to him as well. And then, come Mitzvot. As you do Mitzvot, are you thinking that I'm giving... A beautiful gift of appreciation to my Creator. Like when you feel great that you gave your mother a gift and you see her face smiling from ear to ear, that you showed her appreciation and she can't believe that you thought about it. That's how a person should feel when he's doing a mitzvah in front of the Creator of the world, giving him something. Hashem, I want to give you something. I want to give you Shabbat this week. Friday coming, Friday night's coming, before Shabbat starts. Hashem, I want to I give you a gift. I want to give you this Shabbat that you want me to keep. I'm doing this for you. Great. Okay. Are you doing the whole Shabbat for him? I'm not sure. When you eat Kibbeh, are you doing it for him? I don't know. But at least you start that one. So that's the way it works. Shiviti. Shiviti is the measurement of the great person. It starts. All, it can only happen with Mahshava. Mahshava when? Before you start the action. Before you start your Amidah. Again, you can't do everything at once. It's not something so realistic. But at least, for example, like I said, at least really the whole filah. The Zmirat be- are so beautiful. The Zmirat, the songs of David and Melech, each one, beautiful words. But I don't know if we're going to be able to focus on our entire filah from beginning to end. It's hard. But at least the beginning of the Amidah. First B'raqan, the Amidah. Take that on. Before you start your Amida. imagine Hashem is standing in front of you and talk to Him. Understand what you're saying. Feel the connection. Feel. By the way, when you understand the words, we don't mean like understanding the drashot, what's behind the word agadol, agibor. That's not what we're doing. That's that's learning. We mean to feel. To feel the words and to experience that relationship. You have to imagine Hashem in front of you and a person who invests in the first berakhah is only the beginning to the second beracha, and soon after, the whole Tfilah can be something to love and appreciate. Berachot, a minute, a second before the beracha, split up your beracha to three parts. baruchat Hashem, stop. Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, stop. Boreh Pria Geffen, three parts, say it in three parts. Understand what you're saying. Feel the words and feel the presence of the Creator that you're saying it to. And then, let it go down to your mitzvot. Eventually, it could be an exercise. It could be in the gym with you. Hashem could be in the gym with you. He could. He should be everywhere with you. Oh, we got to start. And this is really the big abodah of the great person. Ma'alot al sadiqim What mahshava can do for a person. Your whole life you could pray, learn, do mitzvot. Your whole life. And you're missing the most important part of your action. The Bam says that a person should at least focus on Shema and the Amidah. He says, start with that. He himself said that. Start Because he realizes that it's not so easy for a person to focus on everything so quickly. So he says, start. Start and then you'll go from there. Have a wonderful day, gentlemen.